Hey, so listen, I cannot, uh, I cannot stress enough how important it is to get into an Engage group. Uh, Elizabeth talked about it. It's on your Engage card. There's numbers on the back. Corresponds with our Engage group list. It did pop up there on the announcements for just a moment, but get into an Engage group. If you want to be discipled, if you want to learn how to follow God better, get into an Engage group. There's nine Engage groups to, to choose from. Actually, there's eight. Um, number two is no longer available, but there are eight engaged groups that you can be a part of. Get into an engaged group, be discipled, come higher in what the Lord has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Engaged groups is the way. We're going to continue in our Presence of God series, and today we're talking about walking in the presence. We can walk in the presence of God. The presence of God is not just constrained to being here on a Sunday morning, although we'll feel it here on a Sunday morning. It's not just constrained to being in our prayer closet, in our secret place, in these places where we pray, but every place we set our foot, the presence of God will follow us. The presence of God is supposed to go with us. The presence of God is supposed to be all around us at all times, in all situations, with all people. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have the full measure of the presence of God everywhere you go. But we have to learn to do it. It doesn't come naturally. It's not something that just with the snap of your fingers that you just learn to walk in the presence of God. And so we can look at the scriptures and we can know and we can see how it is that we walk in the presence of God. So let's do that this morning. Genesis chapter 5 says this, it says, so all of the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It's a very interesting portion of scripture. It says that Enoch walked with God. If you read through Genesis chapter 5, it's all about these forefathers of the faith, Methuselah, Lamech, uh, Enosh is another one, and there's all of these people in there, and they all live to be about 900 years old. Methuselah was the oldest at 969. Um, 895 was another one. Lamech, Noah's father, died at 777 years old. He actually died five years before the flood. Very interesting stuff. So all of these men are living to be about 900 years old. And here comes Enoch. And he only lives a third of that time. But what it says about all of those other men is it says that they lived this many years where it says... Enoch walked with God. Doesn't say that about anybody else, about any of the others. Only Enoch. It's only Enoch who was said to have walked with God. And so let us be people who walk with God every single moment of the day. Here's a New Testament example of it. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and on couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by, the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from around the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed." All healed. All healed. When we're talking about the fact that 
they laid people in the streets so that the shadow of Peter might fall on them. It didn't have to do with the fact that there's any power in the shadow. It has to do with the fact that they're, they're in close proximity to Peter. You have to get close. The, the sun is up in the sky and it casts my shadow and it doesn't go out very far, except later in the day. You know, that sun gets real low. Sun's getting low. Sun gets real low and your shadow gets a bit longer. But imagine Peter's walking down the street. The shadow goes out about three or four feet. If I could just get within proximity, if I can just get close, that's the presence of God emanating off Peter as he's walking down the street. And this is what we're called to. The, Jesus came as an example. The apostles were the next example that we are to follow and that we are to model our lives after. And so this is the call of God upon our life, that the presence of God is so strong on us that when the sick people get around us, they're just healed. Why? Because it's a sign and a wonder and a testimony to who God is. It's a sign and a wonder and a testimony to the goodness of God, to the gospel itself. It proves the gospel true. Jesus said, don't believe me for the words that I speak. Believe me because of the works that I do. He said, if I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe what I'm saying. Who are we and why should anybody believe us if the, if the power of God and the presence of God isn't in us and isn't with us? This is why it's here. It, the presence of God doesn't come just so I can have goosebumps, just so I can have feeling. The presence of God comes to back up what I'm saying, comes to back up the testimony of Jesus, comes to back up the, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. So get filled with the presence of God. Get filled with the presence of God. That's step one. Learn to continue to walk in the presence of God and then just start to speak about God and watch people get healed before your very eyes. Miracle signs and wonders before your very eyes. He is a miracle working God. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. It is what he does. It's part of who he is. He doesn't heal because he heals. He heals because he is healing. And so if you get near Jesus, you're going to get healed. It's because of who he is, not because of who you are or because of what you've done. Nothing in our life happens because we're good enough. I'm not saved and going to heaven because I'm good enough. That's not the way the story goes. I'm saved because of what Jesus did. It always comes back to what he's done. Man, this is good stuff. This is good preaching. Come on. Somebody's excited. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a great multitude, I don't know how many a, a great multitude is, gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Say all healed. All healed. All healed. All healed. Is there anybody sick in here today? God wants you healed. God wants all healed. Every sickness, every disease, no one lacking. Why? Because that's who God is. That's what he wants. But things get in the way. And so today I want to encourage you and I want, to, I want to talk about how we can better walk with God, how we can better be aware of the Holy Spirit, and how we can better walk in the presence of God as we walk through our daily life. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse, beginning in verse 25, it says, Therefore... So here's the clue, right? We're going to 
it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit down in verse 30. So let's back up to 25 and let's read through. And so what we're going to see here is that in this paragraph, 25 through 32, Paul is telling us every single thing that can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so if we look at this paragraph and we understand that any of these things that we see can be hindering us and we can be grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can see this stuff going on in our life. The Holy Spirit's like, oh, oh, I, I don't want to be, I don't know that I can be there. I don't know that I can be there with that. Therefore, put away lying. Lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. We should never let anger cause us to come to the place where we sin. We need to be very guarded in allowing anger to have any place in our life. We'll, we'll touch on this again in a moment because Paul's going to touch again on it in a moment. And don't give, uh, do not let the sun go down on your wrath or go down on your anger. And do not give place to the devil. If you're angry and you sleep on it, you're giving place to the devil. You're giving place to the enemy. Let him who stole steal no longer. So if you're stealing, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. But rather let him labor, working with his hands at what is good, that he may have something to give who has need. That pleases the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. This is getting tough. How do we guard the words that come out of our mouth? Proverbs tells us that where, where words are many, sin is not lacking. The Proverbs, Proverbs says that even if a fool holds his tongue, he is considered to be wise. I'm just going to just not speak. Except that I have this job where I have to stand up here for a period of time, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, and I have to speak to you. So I put myself in this predicament where I have to speak. Therefore, I put myself in danger that sin may not be lacking. That's funny. Thank you. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Listen, don't speak corruptly. Don't speak bad things. Speak good things. Edify, encourage, exhort one another. Lift one another up. We all know that we've done something wrong. We all know that we fall short. We all need an encouraging word. Most of us, most of us don't need to be told what we're doing wrong. Most of us need to be encouraged to do what is right. We'll just leave it right there. That's good. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Because when I encourage you and I say, you can do the right thing, you can do the right thing, you can do the right thing, it actually gives me grace from God. It gives me the strength from God to actually be able to do it. Because somebody told me that I could. You are imparters of God's grace. It's not your grace. You didn't give it. You didn't have anything to do with it. You don't have grace. You don't have the power to give grace, except by when you encourage, you give the grace of God to those who hear. You want to impart grace? You want to be an imparter of what God has? Just start encouraging people. It's good. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Guys, 
it's easy. It, it's all too easy for us to come to a place where we grieve the Spirit of God. We need to be on guard. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our lips. We need to guard our actions so that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is the way that we continually walk within the presence of God, that we just continually to never have sin in our lives. Jesus walked continually in the presence of God. Everywhere he goes, there's healings. There was never one person who came to Jesus who wanted to be healed that wasn't healed. Never once did sickness defeat Jesus. Jesus defeated sickness every single time. Why? Because he was always filled with the manifest presence of God. Why? Because there was never sin in his life. He's the only one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, except Jesus. Jesus is the only one who's never sinned. He never grieved the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never had a reason to depart from him. And then here we have Jesus on the cross, and he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Right? He finally feels this separation from the presence of God. What happened? He took the weight of sin upon his life in that moment. And when sin came on his life, when the weight of the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, when our sin was deposited on him, he felt separation from the presence of God. I'm not saying that God left him. God will never leave you nor forsake you. But what happens is that when we have sin in our life, it's not necessarily that God departs from us, but we stop feeling his presence. Remember at the beginning of the series, I said the presence of God, we need to become aware of the, the fact that God is all around us. He is always around us. He doesn't leave us. But when we get into a situation where we have sin ruling in our life, we become unaware of the presence of God around us. Jesus, when he was on the cross, I don't believe that God forsook him because the Bible says you will never leave me nor forsake me. God didn't walk away from Jesus. God was right there with him the whole way through. But when sin came on his life, when Jesus took the weight of sin upon his sinless body, he felt separation from God. He felt the separation and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. But let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Before it said, be angry and do not sin. Here Paul is saying, put all anger away from you. Don't be angry at all. And evil speaking be put away from you with, with all malice, all hatred, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Guys, if we're walking in unforgiveness, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. If we're holding on to unforgiveness, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. It's going to be more difficult for you to feel the presence of God if you're holding on to unforgiveness. but you don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't want to minimize what you've been through. Jesus, while they were putting nails in his hands, after they had whipped him 40 times and peeled the, the skin off of his back, nailed him to a tree, hung him in the sky, Jesus says, forgive them, Father, for they, for they do not know what they're doing. At that moment, he's asking for God to forgive them. Jesus has already forgiven them for what they've done. I know that what you've been through could be horrific, 
but it's not as bad as what Jesus went through, and he was able to forgive. And so that's always the mark. We can always forgive. It's actually our choice to forgive. We can choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I've come to a place where I want to forgive quickly. I want to forgive immediately. I want to come to a place where I become unoffendable, where I cannot be offended. People do things against me to hurt me, and I just simply refuse to be offended. I refuse to pick up the offense. I, repu- I refuse to come to a place where I hold unforgiveness in my heart because I want the presence of God. I put a pri- I've put a priority on the presence of God, and if there's anything that's going to stand the way in the presence of God, it's not going to have a place in my life. Unforgiveness is one of those things. It hinders the presence of God in my life. I'll not have it. And so I just choose not to be offended. People will do offensive things. I just choose to not be offended. I choose to forgive quickly. I choose to forgive immediately. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22, I quoted this last week. Here it is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice Always, 24-7, 365, rejoice. If there is a moment of the day, rejoice. If there is a a second of time that, that you have or don't have, if the clock is ticking, if you are breathing, rejoice. That's what it means to rejoice always. It's not just like rejoice always when it's convenient for you. No, that's not what it says. It says rejoice always. Rejoice in your sleep. There's a challenge. Pray without ceasing. Pray and don't ever stop praying. The prayer meeting doesn't stop just because we say amen. We're just getting going. We're just getting started. Today, this day, this service, it's just a a moment of time for me to come up and say, charge your engines, guys. Let's go. Put some fuel in the tank and then run with God all week long. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In good things, give thanks. In some things, give thanks. No, in everything. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. We don't get to choose. We don't do it because we like it. Rejoice, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Worship and praise leads to emotional healing, and giving thanks, and giving thanks leads to mental healing. So if you are emotionally wounded or if you are mentally wounded, worship and give thanks. Worship and give thanks. And in be, it's sandwiching your worship and your thankfulness should be sandwiching your prayer. So anytime we pray, anytime we pray to God, we should always come with an attitude of rejoicing, an attitude of worship, and we should always come with an attitude of thanksgiving. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, right? If we, if we enter into God's courts with thanksgiving, whose courts do we enter when we complain? Not God's. 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit. They're not the same. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when we do something wrong or sinful, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, no, right? How many of you are grieved at the action of another? You're sad because somebody else did something that wasn't good, right? That's grieved. We're grieved. But we can quench the Holy Spirit. And most of us think of quench and we think of Gatorade, right? I'm going to quench my thirst. And that is one of the definitions. But if you go to Webster's Dictionary, it's not the first definition. The first definition of quench means to put the fire out. To put the fire out. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is a fire burning on the inside of you? It's a fire burning on the inside of you. A second definition means to stop the heat or stop the effect of. Oh, you're going to stop the heat. You're going to stop the effect of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? That's not good. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, comes in you for your benefit, comes on you for others' benefit. But the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can stop it. We can shut it down. Holy Spirit, you're sitting on the couch doing whatever, maybe you're flipping through your phone, maybe you're watching TV, and all, the whole, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, you shouldn't be going there, you shouldn't be clicking on that, but we have a choice in that moment, are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey it, or are we going to quench the Holy Spirit and say, I'm not listening to you, and we go and do what we want, and then we fall into sin, and now we're out of the Holy Spirit, out of the presence of God. And it could be something different for everybody. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Why did God write in this text here in 1 Thessalonians, why did he write, do not despise prophecies? Because he knew that prophecies were something that could be despised. It, it's our nature to not, like, we want prophecy, but then we don't like prophecy, right? When the prophet comes, everybody wants a word, right? We all want the word. But then we get the word and we're like, oh, I don't know if I'm happy with that word. We despise it. Or it, it happens and prophecy comes and we're like, ooh, I'm just uncomfortable with how this is going down right now. Okay? We actually, we know that when the prophet comes, certain people won't attend church because they have their reasons. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecy. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can shut it down. Or we can say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to move. I'm going to make room for the Holy Spirit to move. When we put our car in park at the grocery market, we can quench the Holy Spirit and just make our decision to get in and out as fast as possible. Or we can put our car in park and we can be mindful and say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Holy Spirit, if there's anybody in the grocery market that you want me to speak to, Speak to me, guide me, lead me. I'm going to surrender my agenda. I'm going to surrender the rest of my day to what you want to do in this moment. Right? Because the American thing is like, we're just all so busy. We all have so much to do. I got to get in. I got to get out. I got to get home. I got to do this. I got to do that. We all have the list. Are we willing to lay our list aside and say, Holy Spirit, come and move in me 
in this moment. If you have somebody for me to speak to, I want to be mindful of that. If you have somebody that you want me to touch or speak to, pray for, I want to be mindful of that. I want to do that. It's when we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit that he'll move through us. Or we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can be walking through the, holy, the, through the grocery market, not the holy grocery market. It can be holy. Make it holy. We're walking through the grocery market. Suddenly it becomes the holy grocery market. And God says, talk to that lady on the left. Help her get the can off the top shelf. Okay, here you go. Jesus loves you. Begins the conversation. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. <laughs> it's not an argument. <laughs> it's just an open door. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. We have the opportunity to say no. When the Holy Spirit wants to move, we can say no. Many churches across America say no. Different types of churches. We say yes to the Holy Spirit here. We say yes. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way. We say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, do something unusual among us. We want to see your glory. We want to see you move in this place. We want to hear you speak. We want to know what you're saying. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Test all things, and we do. And it says that we should um, judge prophecy, and we do. Abstain from every form of evil. These are all things that we can do to quench the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John to, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, permit it, to be so permit it to be so now, for thus it is fulfilling for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so we see the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus in this moment. And it talks about the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, coming down and resting upon him like a dove. Have you ever seen a dove? Have you ever seen a dove outside on the sidewalk when you're walking along? What happens when you get a little too close? They fly away. They're very skittish. They're very, they're very um, prone to just fly away. They, they're very defenseless. And so therefore, if you approach them suddenly, they're just going to fly away. We, we used to have them uh, all over in the nursery. And so we'd be walking through the nursery. And we'd walk through quickly because we're doing our work. We got the work to do. And you, walk, you turn, the, turn the corner and you walk down another aisle and boom, the, the doves fly up in the air. They're in the, they're in the gravel path eating the gravel because birds need gravel in order to have the thing to crack the... And so they're, they're there in the aisle, they're eating the thing, and you turn the corner, and they're, bam, there they go. Ooh, ooh, right? That's the noise they make. And so they fly away, they fly away, they fly away. So imagine, if you will, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and it rests upon you, and you want it to remain. What are you going to do? You're going to do everything you do mindful of the fact that the Holy Spirit is on you. Mindful of the fact that you've got this dove sitting on your shoulder. Right? You're gonna, you got to walk differently. You have to behave differently. You can't just go around being all 
You got to be mindful. <laughs> you got to be mindful of the Holy Spirit. Mindful of the dove. It has this tendency to just, if we get crazy, he's out of here. Just like those little doves that are on the ground. When you get too close, when you approach them too fast, when you be sensitive. Everything you do, do it with the dove in mind. Everything you do, do it with the Holy Spirit in mind. Every time you speak, speak with the Holy Spirit in mind. Watchman Nee in his book, The Spiritual Man, says, no one should say anything unless prompted by the Holy Spirit. That would eliminate 99% of conversation for all, most of us. I'm like, it's a good target. I don't know if that's a, a starting place. Of course, it would help to reduce the amount of chatter in the room. <laughs> you're, having, you're having supper, right? And it gets loud and boisterous. You're like, all right, hold up. Nobody say anything unless you're prompted by the Holy Spirit for the next five minutes. Utter silence. All you hear is forks on the plate. We'll try this at the Super Bowl tonight. Good luck. <laughs> Always with the dove in mind. Always with the Holy Spirit in mind. Every time we go, every time we work, every time we move, we're mindful of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is how we keep the Holy Spirit. This is how we don't quench the Holy Spirit. This is how we don't grieve the Holy Spirit because we're always mindful of him. Or if we only, if the only thing we do is be mindful of the Holy Spirit, we will keep the Holy Spirit. If the only thing that we do is remain mindful of the Holy Spirit, we will keep the Holy Spirit because we will, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do the right thing. We don't even have to know what it is. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus said, I, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send another and he will instruct you in everything. He will speak to you at all times. And so the Holy Spirit is, is upon us and in us and working through us. It says that we won't even need to know what to say because the Holy Spirit will prompt us as to what we're saying in that day and in that hour. Glory to God. Glory to God. If he's going to tell us what to say, he's also going to tell us what to do as long as we're listening. If we only make the decision to be mindful, we will have success walking with the Holy Spirit. It's true. It's true. On your Engage card, there's a couple of boxes there. It says, this week I will not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so check that box. This week, you're going to not grieve the Holy Spirit? Check that box. This week, I will not quench the Holy Spirit. This week, I will not quench the Holy Spirit. This week, I'm not going to turn the Holy Spirit off when I'm walking through the supermarket, when I'm sitting in the coffee shop, when I'm out to lunch with friends, when I'm fill in the blank wherever you might be meeting people that you don't know or people that you do know that don't know Jesus. Anywhere as you go, I'm not going to put the Holy Spirit out of my mind just because I have something to do. No matter what it is I find myself doing, God's put me there. When I surrender my calendar and when I surrender my agenda to the Holy Spirit, I supernaturally get more done. When I surrender my calendar and when I surrender my agenda to the Holy Spirit and to God, I supernaturally get more done. People suddenly show up and say, hey, let me do that for you. 
Praise God. Someone did the dishes for me the other night. It's a small thing. Up at the top, it says, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, if you're here today and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, or maybe you've heard it explained and you've never made the decision to have a relationship with God, I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to, to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It is the decision that uh, you will not regret. It is the best decision that you will ever make in your life. Walking with God is an extraordinary experience. It is not for, um, if you want to have an adventure, walk with God. If you want to have an adventure, walk with God. Because life is not dull when you're walking with God and the Holy Spirit. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It is so, actually, it's so much fun. There's nothing that I'd rather do. There's nothing that I'd rather do than walk with the presence of God because God is fun. God's a lot of fun. If you're here today and you want to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior for, for, for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check that box, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me. So if that's you today, I just want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you that you would forgive me of my sin that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life, that you would lead me and guide me by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave, and you are seated at the right hand of God. Amen.